If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Morning. Welcome from Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Will you bow your heads with me? Be still and know that I am God. Easy for you to say, Holy One. You haven't been threatened with mandatory patriot training. You aren't wondering if you'll spend a decade in prison for saving someone's life by providing an abortion. You aren't terrified to send your kid to school in a state that has declared itself a gun sanctuary. We are restless and agitated, Holy One, and when we are not those things, we wrap ourselves in despair, sure that hope is as dead as a doornail. But even now, the faint whisper of words come to us, comforting us, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Even now, the still, small voice calls to us, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly? Even now, we remember that when all was thought to be lost, then came the resurrection. Some days, Faithfulness is holding the line. Some days, faithfulness is leaning into the wind. Some days, faithfulness is letting someone else carry us. A little worse for the wear, but still showing up, we pray. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning is the 133rd Psalm and I am reading from the Inclusive Bible Translation. See how good, how pleasant it is for God's people to live together as one. It is like precious oil on Aaron's head, running down his beard, running down to the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Mount Hermon falling on the hills of Zion, for that is where Yahweh bestows the blessing, life that never ends. 
Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. No matter what translation you use, the enthusiasm of the psalmist is real. See how good, how pleasant it is for God's people to live together as one. The NRSV translation includes an adverb for emphasis, how very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. And the King James Version, which we don't read much around here, is even more dramatic. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I mean, the psalmist really thinks church is great. (laughs) Is it, though? Like, what does the psalmist know about church people, anyway? Adding in a little social and historical context, it's possible the psalmist wasn't actually talking about church or referring to communities of faith. After all, the phrase, when brothers live together, occurs elsewhere in the Old Testament only in Deuteronomy 25.5, in the law regulating the practice of Leverite marriage. It is okay if you don't know that reference off the top of your head. Preachers not only serve as the designated prayer offerer, but also as the designated keeper of obscure biblical trivia. So, it's a social custom of the ancient Hebrews by which a man may be obliged to marry his brother's widow. But that's not the only interpretation, of course. Taken on its own, the exclamation could comprise a folk saying, recognizing and commending the richness and strength of life in the extended family, the joy and satisfaction of parents and children in one another. The NRSV translation, when kindred live together, understands the exclamation in this way. When, however, writes scholar James Mays, the psalm is read in its present form and location, the phrase refers to the pilgrimage practices of people who were kin through the Lord's covenant, sitting together at festival meals and dwelling together during a festival such as the Festival of Tabernacles. The festival transformed the pilgrims into a family for that holy time when they ate and dwelt together. The covenant bound them together and the presence brought them together. And this is how we understand church, the beloved community, our family of faith, people bound by covenant, mutual relationship of trust and responsibility named in the presence of God. But this life together, well, it's not always good or pleasant. It's very messy. In fact, the church staff is taking over-unders on how long the new carpet will stay spotless now that we're serving coffee on Sunday mornings again. Church is not always pleasant. Church people complain about prepackaged communion communion elements <laughs> as if the preacher isn't standing right there in front of God and the internet 
trying to choke it down like everybody else. Try to do it on camera, friends. In fact, church can sometimes be decidedly unpleasant. We say wise things, foolish things, and really, really stupid things to one another. We disagree, we quarrel, and get frustrated about who's doing what and who isn't doing what and what we as a congregation should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. But unity is not the same as uniformity. Unity is cooperation, collaboration, like-mindedness, and solidarity. One might say sometimes church is just flat-out hard. Riverside preacher Reverend Bill Coffin once preached that church is hard because unlike a political party, church unity is based not on agreement, but on mutual concern. Church is based on mutual concern, not ideological purity, particular creeds, dress code, or party registration. Church unity is based on mutual concern. And there is much to be mutually concerned about As Matthew Thompson of the New York Times writes, the era we are now in the midst of might be defined most notably by the omnipresence of disaster, plagues, droughts, floods, toxic air and water, wars, massacres, famines, earthquakes, heat waves, wildfires, recessions, dust storms, slow motion nightmares are crashing into fast moving catastrophes, each one amplifying the next. Mere weeks after unprecedented heat waves scorched the country this spring, apocalyptic floods began engulfing Pakistan and are ongoing. Tropical hurricanes continue to reshape coastlines in the Gulf of Mexico, their names lingering like ghosts long after their winds have quieted. Katrina, Harvey, Maria, a virulent combination of governmental corruption and the debt traps of the global finance system have contributed heavily to starvation-level food shortages in Sri Lanka. Authoritarian leaders have unleashed mass state violence against protesters in Iran, while far-right extremists clamor violently against democracy in the United States. Disaster is so ubiquitous that the idea of an aftermath has started to lose its meaning. COVID's brutal, blurry slide from pandemic to endemic is an example that underscores one defining truth of our reality. Our disasters don't exactly end. They evolve. Matthew Thompson leads the headway team at the New York Times, which tries to understand how people around the world approach rebuilding in this state of continuous disasters. What they found is this. Human beings' most foundational resource for coping with crisis is the network of people around us, 
At every level, from households to governments, the breadth and strength of the bonds among its members can be what determine a community's ability to repair or reimagine itself. Each catastrophe is a test of what kind of society we've built, and each recovery offers a chance, however fleeting, to build another. Human beings' most foundational resource for coping with crisis is the network of people around us. That's the T. That's the conclusion, the punchline, the coda. That's the culmination of hours of studying, wordsmithing, and exegeting for this sermon. Human beings' most foundational resource for coping with crisis is the network of people around us, which is why the psalmist says, see how good, how pleasant it is for God's people to live together as one. See? When you are raising your kids in what feels like the white Christian nationalist mecca of the Midwest, it is good to have a faith community that has promised to love them and to help you raise them to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in every form, and to encourage them to bring their questions, their courage, and their heart to everything they do. When you won't settle for a world with so much gun violence, it is good to have a community to walk with, or rather it is good to have a community that can organize the writing and sending of over a thousand gun sense postcards in a month's time. When you need a place to bring your grief and loss, it is good to have a community that saved you a seat and knows how to hang around, hug you, and hush. When you need to do something about the needs of the world, it is good to have a community where there is always an ask, always an ask for coats, scarves, hand warmers, meals on wheels cooks, for whiz kids tutors, for potluck dishes, for car seats, for the newest baby born to our Afghan neighbors, and then someone to drive them to the next doctor's appointment. It is good to be with people who are chronically unsatisfied with the status quo. See how good, how pleasant it is for God's people to live together as one. And this is why we are so happy when a clump of believers, doubters, and seekers raise their hand to say they'd like to be part of the meaning-making, problem-solving, need-meeting, spirituality-seeking, crisis-responding, joy-finding, meal-serving, tear-drying, blanket-buying, coat-collecting, coffee-spilling, and pre-packaged communion-eating that is the way of this beloved community. Oh, church, indeed, the needs of the world are great. The trouble we face is significant. But this, this is the balm. This is the hope, the reason that there is no reason to despair. The network of people around us 
will see us through. Indeed, how good, how pleasant it is for God's people to live together as one. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.